Good evening, everyone. This is Tala with Drive Through Therapy. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight on a Mother's Day episode. And I'm not saying they're always relevant to Mother's Day, but I try. I try to make them. There are a few holidays where I really like to record for, and I think Mother's Day for me is is a is a big one. Yeah, so I'm recording on Mother's Day. Or hopefully this will be published for Mother's Day, but I'm actually recording it uh, the night before, and it could hit midnight here pretty soon, so it probably will be Mother's Day. But I'm, I'm very excited to introduce tonight's topic, which is actually something that I kind of came across, I think in my, in my lifetime as a female, I didn't realize how much I was interacting with so much social conditioning that uh, was working, you know, as an unsaid rule between men and women and the hierarchy there. And I think because it's such an intertwined thing in our society, I don't notice it as much. And I, and I have to do more work on that because sometimes I, I have to question why I do something. Is it because... I'm a woman? Is it because I'm, um, I'm, you know, Tala? Is it, it, what are my, what are some of the reasons I question the, the conditioning that I have as a woman? And it's actually, it's one of those, those are blind spots for me. I don't, I don't recognize as much as I need to. And maybe because I had such strong apparent conditioning that is, you know, you could definitely see the hierarchy in the Middle East of men and women uh, and how that plays out. And, and growing up in a Middle Eastern family living in the United States, you could definitely see how, how both of them kind of mesh together. So I, it all blends in for me, but a little bit at a time, I get to know myself in that area, my conditioning as a woman how it may have contributed to self-imposed limitations, perhaps. Uh, and I kind of want to break those blockages uh, as I find them. I want to make sure that I, I question them. So I had recently had an experience with my son. We were watching something on Disney Channel, and he wanted to watch The Little Mermaid. I think he really liked the red lobster. I really think he did. But we wanted to watch A Little Mermaid. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's watch That Little Mermaid. And it's an old movie. Old movie. I think, I want to say it's from the 80s, people. I, I really do. Hold on. Let me double check. Yep. It is the last little notch of the 80s. It was 1989. And of course, that explains the beautiful hair that she had, right? We love those bangs. But I think... It, this movie was a shocker to me. And, and, and I'm going to explain to you what, what went down. So I'm sitting there with my son. My son's like, let's, let's watch this movie. I said, yes, let's do it. And so sitting there watching this and I'm like, it, it got darker as we were watching it. I was like, I don't know what was happening. And I can't believe it's a cartoon. So the story of Little Mermaid is as follows. I'm going to, you know, simplify the shit out of it, but apparently it's a, 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 a a woman, a 16 year old. She is a mermaid and she's a princess uh, with many other siblings, females mostly, and they're all princesses as well. Her father is, of course, the king. She is very curious about the, the, the land people, the non-mermaid life. And she collects stuff from the upper world. And while she is in the water world, she, happens to 
desire and crave to go up there and see what's going on. So she finally does. She gets away from her dad, even though her dad really warns her not to go up there. She finally does. And she sees a, a big ship where she takes a peek inside and sees this prince and his name is Eric and he has a, a dog. And I think the dog's name is Max, which I think is pretty cool. I don't know why that I thought that was cool. And I don't even know why I would remember that. It's like a big old shaggy dog. Anyways, so Max and Eric are playing around on the board of that ship. The little mermaid sees them for the first time and she falls in love with Eric. Yeah, after one time, right? <laughs> she goes back down this underworld voodoo queen, I want to say. I don't really, I didn't pay attention too much to what her role is, but she's an evil queen or an evil woman, I suppose. And she wanted power. She basically told her that I'll let you have legs and have you go up there if you give me your voice. And so, of course, she says, yes, <laughs> of course, like a good princess, like a good princess, a 16 year old princess. And she gets up there. She, and she's, she meets, uh, the prince, but she's not able to talk. She has no voice. And so they end up having, I don't know what you want to call that. This, this is really like, I don't, I don't know what to say about this, but they're, but they're, uh, enjoying each other, but there's no conversation because of course she cannot talk. So I don't know what the hell, what is he getting to know? What is Eric? Get, can anybody tell me what Eric is getting to know? She has no voice, which is pretty symbolic that that's what she gives up for love. She gives up her voice, people. She gives up her voice for love. So I'm sitting there watching this and I'm, I'm sweating, people. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to heat up. I think my blood pressure was a little notch, you know, kicking. I, I just don't know what was going on there. And then you guys, it gets worse. Uh, the queen finds out he, she ends up uh, transforming herself into this young, pretty thing. And she takes away Eric and Eric is like a zombie and he goes with her and he falls in love with the, the other the evil woman to deter her away from the deter him away from the mermaid and the little mermaid and the whole thing is just it gets pretty sloppy and then towards the end even her father ends up giving his soul to that queen to to be able to save his daughter which again it's a whole big mess this whole thing happens because she falls in love at first sight with freaking eric yeah i mean it, that that's just i don't know if this scared the shit out of you, but I was watching and I was like, oh my God, that explains the high amount of women, to include myself, that bought into this idea, that bought into this idea that love comes from the first sight and that somehow you have to give up all these things, you know, to get this person to get this man, like you just chase the feeling, right? Right. And he doesn't even need to get to know you because you have no voice. He could just like you for your looks and that's cool. You know? Yeah. That's what I got from Little Mermaid. I don't know. I don't know what you got people, but that's what I got. And of course this ended up shocking the shit out of me. And I'm, and I'm thinking, Oh my God, son, you're going to watch this and you're going to be like, that's how love happens. It's like at first sight. So. <laughs> Then it got me thinking about all the previous conditioning and the movies I watched in Disney growing up, but not only me, because I don't think I was interested as much as in cartoons, but 
in general, I, I did watch a couple here and there. I remember watching Cinderella, but I don't remember the other ones. Maybe Sleeping Beauty a little bit because I remember watching that when I was uh, raised in Egypt or growing up in Egypt and I did, I was able to watch Sleeping Beauty. Anyways, <laughs> then it got me thinking about a book that I read a while back. And I mean, it's a, a, a long while back and it was by Colette Dowling and it's written in 1981. The book is called The Cinderella Complex, The Hidden or a Hidden Fear of a Hidden Fear of Independence. Okay. And it's women's hidden fear of independence and something or something like that. And it's an excellent book. Really, you guys got to read it, but it's about a similar idea, but it's based off the Cinderella story where she is, uh, Cinderella is like, um, a very smart, very hardworking girl, but she has to, she has a lot of, um, negative interaction with other women that are trying to bring her down. And the next thing you know, um, you know, the only thing and only person that can save her is the prince from these forces of evil, which are usually the stepsisters, right? But as you notice in this story and Little Mermaid, <laughs> it's the villain is a female. Yeah. Yeah. Like the concept here is that women are your, your main competition. <laughs> if we compete, supposedly we were supposed to fight with other women. It's a villainous thing, right? I, I don't, I don't know what's going on here, but you, I wish I could tell you that it stops there because the same idea follows through in Snow White with the evil queen and, and the sleeping beauty. Cause I think there is another evil queen there too. So you got two evil queens that are basically jealous situations going on there and, um, they're competitive with her. I mean, more often than not, I've noticed that the older versions of the Disney movies were very much this telling the same story is that women should be cautious of other women and they're the real villain. And then the only person that's supposed to get them out of the depths of hell is going to be this prince, this prince charming. The whole thing is not charming. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I have, I have, <laughs> I, I felt the, the non-charm all the way to my core. Yeah. And so you're probably wondering, well, Tala, you know, I see what you're saying about those, but what about the new Disney's, you know, like for example, Frozen, Frozen. Okay. Well, you've got a couple of independent women. Not exactly. Not, not exactly. You've got, I mean, look at the symbolic thing here. You've got a woman that's kind of, it's two sisters. You've got Anna and you've got Elsa. And Elsa is the one with the superpowers, right? And then Anna is just this young, wants to be in love, falls in love the first time. Um, and as a matter of fact, in the, in the, the, the first movie in Frozen, she actually falls in love quickly with some handsome prince. She pretends they're like soulmates and shit. And they, they fall in love right away. <laughs> <laughs> which is the same thing as Little Mermaid, but that ends up biting her in the rear, biting Anna and her family in the rear. Now, you're like, well, okay, but what about Elsa? Elsa was independent. There was no love interest. She no Prince Charming to save her. You're right, but they made her into an ice queen. <laughs> so, <laughs> so your other option is you're either a nice, warm, loving, submissive, obedient, you know, dreamy 
very innocent girl, or you're like the ice queen <laughs> who's like seeking independence, but, but symbolically and literally she's the ice queen. I don't know. I don't know about this, but I'm getting the messages loud and clear. This conditioning, Tala, as a therapist, how do you see it in your, in your uh, therapy room? I see it a whole damn lot. I, I see it a lot, especially the idea of the Cinderella complex where I'm waiting for a man to save me or that I find other women are evil and, and, and they're out to get me. Like this idea that is demonstrated in these stories, um, that later on we do suffer from as women. To seek independence, the story has to be to come and save me. Uh, I have to include a, a man in there, you know? And our children are watching this. No kidding. Children are watching this, <laughs> but I'm glad that Disney's changing it up a bit. I mean, they're making uh, princesses look diverse. Great. Bravo. You know, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And I also think that Disney's doing a great job with making the uh, princesses take on different roles, not just like a princess with a sidekick and a little red lobster trailing out of her, but she's really pretty and got great hair. You know, uh, you know, the new movie with Raya, she's, I think, a princess. And, but I think sometimes we take it on to the extreme. So a woman can either look, if she's going to be independent, we go ahead and make her into a masculinized female. Okay. And, and that's not the right idea either, but all of it, I, I think it's a, it's a change. It's a change. Maybe it's like, uh, all changes. It's going to be like a pendulum. It's going to go one extreme to another until somewhere it gets, it falls in the middle. And I'm looking forward for it to fall in the middle because the way it's looking right now, I mean, I don't know what the hell this, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I mean, when we look at Snow White, uh, Snow White also implying not just her skin color, but implying that she is so pure a snow and, and that there's also an evil queen. And she's the, this woman, this technically is, is the prettiest woman of, of all. And, and this evil queen is out of control and she wants Snow White's beauty because she's the most beautiful one in the land. And so the evil queen is going to come after her for that. I mean, you, you see what I'm telling? It's like a little, it's a lot of symbols there. And I'm, it's, or maybe straight out messages, like direct messages that we're watching and that tell us that, Hey, keep a lookout, keep a lookout. Cause women are out to get other women or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. But the one with, with by far, it had to be the one that started it all for me was the, the, the little mermaid. And I want to say, I'm going to come up with a little mermaid complex. It's not like the Cinderella complex. It's like the, uh, it's more like a, it's a different one because Cinderella does compete with other, it's like other women or those are the outside forces. She has to fight through those obstacles. And then at Prince Charming saves her. Okay. The, the case with Cinderella is more like the codependent, uh, version we, of a woman we have today, right? Which is, I think, a lot of us. And that is we're willing to give up our own voice to keep a partner or to, to, uh, to get a partner or a, or a man. Yeah. Our brain, our thoughts, our emotions don't really matter. Uh, fuck, our voice doesn't matter, but just us having someone there is what's important. Us in the end winning the guy, 
is important, right? Willing to give everything, everything, you know, where I used to live in the water, uh, my family, everything f- to be with this, this man, right? This is after one time seeing him. Come on. Like, I mean, you can go to an Applebee's or any bar on a Friday night. And I'm telling you, you'll see that girl or guy there, but actually be more of girl is what we're talking about today. Not the guy, the girl today. <laughs> yeah. So the mermaid complex is, is just that the little mermaid complex is what I'm going to call it because darn it, there should be, there should be a little mermaid complex. We don't need to lose our voice today. We can still have our voice, have a choice, uh, de- make decisions. And it doesn't have to all surround s- us chasing someone trying to get, uh, this, immaculate idea of a man and, and, and chasing that, willing to give up anything for that, willing to fight anything for that. Um, yeah. And I see that quite a bit. I see that quite a bit today. And I, I'd have to blame the little mermaid on that. <laughs> that movie, I'm sure made a bunch of, like this generation made us kind of anybody born in the eighties friends is we're going to be impacted eighties. And I would say nineties because Ariel is back and she's back with a vengeance. I was at a recent gathering and a family member, I happened to pull him aside. I'm like, Hey, I started talking to him about my little mermaid theory. And he's like, that's my favorite princess. And he was so distraught about this. He was just like, and he, it was in jest, but he, he just was like, Tala, that's my favorite, that's my favorite princess. Like, no way. I mean, I said this the right. And I said, you're proud of saying this? Like you, of course you would love it. Any man would love that story. Are you kidding? A woman sees you for the first time and she falls in love with you. She gives up everything for you. Of course, any man would love that. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, I mean, I think it, it all comes down to this. Our conditioning as women, And if you're a male listening to this, hell yeah, thank you for doing that. Because if you have daughters, sisters, mothers, you definitely need to be paying attention to this conditioning because we do have that. We do have that as women, this idea that we are to be saved or, 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 or like Miss, uh, Miss Little Mermaid, we are to save broken someone or to save someone. And I don't think she thinks of him as broken. Obviously he's a prince, but we do this a lot with saving men that we think, oh, we can save them and make them better. Right. The same idea is like, oh, I can, I can be with him and, and it'll be better and everything will be great. You know, uh, we can create a story, a narrative in our mind, just like the little mermaid did by seeing him one time. She creates a whole story of happily ever after in her mind. We can do that too. This is a lot of conditioning that we grew up with that it's, it's just doesn't make sense today. And it doesn't make sense in us and our self-improvement and our uh, conscious awakenings, our spiritual awakening. It doesn't make sense in those, in that, in that world. And I think if you just watch it again, watch a little mermaid again with that, with those discerning eyes, I think you'll see what I'm telling you. It's, it's, it made me laugh. It made me laugh. It made me cry. It made me pull out like some hair out of my head. Um, it was, it was strange. It, I don't, I don't know. It was like looking at parts of me that I didn't want to see because I can, I mean, come on, I can relate to that. We've all, we've all been teens and in our twenties. Shit. We've all, we've all created a story after meeting somebody for one time. For one time, we created a story in our head, right? We call it crush. We had a crush, people. 
So, but a crush is not a happily ever after. That's why it's called a crush. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you see where I'm going with this shit. Cause I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just wanted to kind of let you guys know about my thoughts on the little mermaid. And I'm not the first, again, I'm not the first one that came up with this. Like I said, Colette Dowling came up with the Cinderella complex, but nobody came up with the little mermaid complex. I'd like to take credit for that shit, uh, today on Mother's Day. Why the hell not? Why the hell not? So let's change that conditioning or at least learn to see that it's there. So if I'm acting on conditioning that limits me somehow, especially conditioning about women that I grew up in. And I talk about this often because I am Middle Eastern, um, but I'm, I'm more Americanized, I would say. And my habits are more Americanized, but the, you can't, you know, you can't take the Middle Eastern out of this girl. Uh, she's still in there. So every once in a while, I'll, I'll act in a, in a way. And I know it's, it's my conditioning from my past or my culture. But just like there's loud for me, loud Middle Eastern culture, there's also a lot of loud American side culture about women, right? And, and the roles that women play. And so we want to expand on that. We deserve a voice. Of course, we, we, we are important in thoughts and, we are just beyond our physical looks. So if you only pay attention to that and you don't think of yourself as beyond that, your children can hear you talk about your body in a, talking about it in a loud way, you know, how you think you've gained weight or you don't look good or you're, you're talking about your body in a nasty way in front of your children. What's going to end up happening is they're going to, they're going to think their value is going to be evaluated the same way. And so they're going to use the same language. I hope that makes sense. So I find this often that we are conditioned a lot by other women that talk about their bodies in a certain way. And then we end up talking about our bodies in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. We inherit this stuff. So why not change it up for this new generation to come? Why not make it about us being women and that there are so much, so many strengths in being a feminine and it balanced out. It's not better than men. It's not less than men. We are all human species and we're humans. I just happen to be a feminine. And because I'm a feminine, these are a lot of my strengths as a feminine. And that's great. That's great to teach next generation. And so this way, hopefully, we don't hit up the little mermaid in 2029. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. 20, 2030, 31, 30. You know, I, I don't want, I want us to continue with that. But unfortunately, I think we might. I think we might. It's, we, we buy into it because it's part about the, the part about women that is they're in tune with their emotions um they're they're great receivers of love and they're also great givers of love uh all of that is important and is and implies feminine powers that they're nurturing but at the same time in a masculine world these can also in in the masculine world can sometimes be portrayed as weaknesses. And so we need to kind of strengthen that again, that it's okay to be emotional. We don't have to apologize for crying. Uh, we don't have to, because I don't know how many times I see women when they cry, they apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I said, there's no need for that. And they call themselves weak because they have feelings. And I'm like, whoa, we don't need to do all that. We don't need to do all that. That is feminine power that we have that actually what I try to teach a lot of masculines to do, to be in tune with their and label their emotions and to be available to themselves and to be able to provide themselves nurture as well as others. But women have that a lot more mm, implanted in their um, chemical makeup, in their psychological makeup. 
So it's a great thing. Great thing. We want to teach future mothers that power that they already have. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. And uh, happy Mother's Day to all those mothers out there. Whether you are single or you do have a daddy around, wonderful. Thank you, ladies, for all the work that you do. There is nothing more magical than a mother. Nothing, nothing more magical than a mother. And when it comes to women helping women, oh man, I've had so many situations where I've seen the pure power of women helping women when I was pregnant and women would just smile at me and they would just, um, when they're walking by, they would... They would open doors for me if I'm walking somewhere or um, help me carry something out of the store, or put something in when I'm pregnant. And I don't think I've got the, I've gotten that much help from men <laughs> as much as I have from women. And that's a wonderful thing. It always tells me, man, you know, it's, it's, it's something being pregnant is something that women know about. And it's a magical thing that each woman knows when another woman's pregnant and how amazing that is. And, and we like to respond to her in that way and help her along without saying a word, whether it's opening a door, making sure that, you know, she doesn't stand too long or whatever the case is. I've had so many beautiful acts from other women while I was pregnant, which tells me, man, humanity is a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. Yeah. And as a woman, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to have had that experience of being pregnant and seeing uh, all these women uh, being so supportive that definitely don't know me, but knew me through my pregnancy and connected with me that way. That's a human thing, people. It's magical. I, I can't explain it any other way than that. So thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing the most amazing job in the world, the most amazing role that transcends generational cycles. Thank you so much. It goes without saying, I'm sending you love and light. This has been an episode of Drive Through.